Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket at the World Cup. It's Simon Hughes and Simon Mann. We're together, we're in a bar in Calcutta watching the cricket, watching England try to chase 230 to win. Sorry about the background noise, but we just thought we'd bring you the flavour of Calcutta and a sense of what's going on in this match before it actually finishes. What's your sense? 229 to win, just lost the wicket, David Milan. England to win or India to win? Oh, I think it's going to be tough for England. If they play some canny cricket, oh, that's an LBW shout, oh, that's another one. Joe Root's gone first ball, would you believe it? This is live, and Root has gone LBW in England a 30 for two. Amazing how quickly the game can change round. England making a solid start. Suddenly they've lost a couple of wickets. Root is going to review it. To me, it looked absolutely plum. Totally agree with you. Uh, there's obviously reviewed it and it's like actually the way Josh Hazel has got him out a few times isn't it that straight full delivery early on he shuffles across and misses it uh, we're going to wait for the review just to, to finish this podcast before we go to peace and quiet of the rest of the podcast but uh, the wicket of Milan just before that dragged on to Bumrah then Bumrah firing a quick one towards Roots pads first ball it's a good start by England Milan had hit a big one oh. over deep mid wicket there's no bat involved in the uh, this LBW shout, clearly. It's he got no the chance. inside edge. I think it's absolutely plump. He's got it's, no chance. It's, unfortunately, it's a wasted review, really. But I suppose with Root, you have to kind of go for it. But what an amazing... I mean, just before we get the decision, what an amazing town, Carl. Oh. It's taken you hours to get here, hasn't it, from your hotel. I'm in another hotel. And it's just mayhem, isn't it? It's just people everywhere. Goats, cows. It's all of India rolled into sort of a small area. A, a extraordinary journey. Hold on, has Root got an inside edge on that? I don't think he has. To me, it looks as though he's missed it. 
Well, we basically we watched the first innings from our hotel rooms. We said, let's meet up, go to a bar, have some food, watch the cricket. We'll report back later for the end of the game. I'll do assessment of the game. But we thought we'd do a sort of as live update at the start of this podcast. Right, it's wicket's hitting, it's leg stump, it's out. It was a straightforward decision for the umpire. England are 30 for two. But I, my journey was supposed to take 20 minutes to get here. It took about 50 minutes. Sorry for being late, the Oz, but we came through the centre of town rather than around the ring road. And the, I mean the, the, just the sort of feverishness of a Sunday night in Calcutta. You think everybody would be home watching the cricket, but it's not like that at all. So many people on the street. The lights of the festival that's yeah, the been lights held the, here. The, the lights down Park Street. Mm. It's like Oxford Street at Christmas times ten. It is. It? Yeah, I, mean, I think exactly. I was thinking exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's like Ox, Oxford Street's got nothing on this. And, and my hotel, which is supposedly a quiet place. You know, outside it, there's about eight lanes of traffic. There's only officially three lanes, but they make it into about eight. And there's about three lines of taxis all waiting for people like me, yellow cabs, and then four lanes of buses and cars and various animals and so on. I mean, it is just extraordinary. But everyone sort of does it. It feels like a humorous place, doesn't it? It feels like everybody has a spirit. City of joy. City of joy. I mean, even in this uh, bar tonight, we're on the roof of a, a building. There's nine floors up. Here, nine floors up. Great view of the city. The Victoria and Albert Memorial is white and illuminated in the distance. It is an, an amazing city for, for nightlife as much, as much as daylight. Yeah. OK, then, Yoz. I think England are going to find this really tough to win from here. It's, it's try a tricky pitch. We haven't seen the spinners yet, unless the dew comes down. So we'll report back later. My hunch is that India will win this game. That's what I feel at the moment. But England could win if they play well, because they're only chasing you know, 230. But it's a struggle for India. What's your hunch? My hunch is I've got a tenner on it with um, Rob Reeve, who's the producer of the cricket coverage out here, ICC cricket coverage, also works with Sky. Uh, I've had a tenner on it to England to win, for England to win. So I'm going with England. OK, well, we'll be back at the end of the game to report back in peace and quiet to reflect on what's happened today. So that's it for now. For the rest of this podcast, brought to you by IG Trading and Investments, we've come to the quiet and calm of the courtyard of the Oberoi Grand Hotel, one of the great hotels of the world, one of the signature hotels in Calcutta. And Yoz, you've lost your £10. So I can't invest in, in IG <laughs> shares anymore. Well, maybe I can. Yeah, uh, so we've given up the being down with the kids. I think that wasn't working too well. And this is a, this is a, a lovely hotel, actually. And you're, you're only saying it's, it's gorgeous because you're jealous that you're not staying here. Um, actually, it's, quite, it's got quite an interesting history, this, uh, this hotel, in the sense that, quite apart from the fact I stayed here 43 years ago, it was actually the host hotel for the 1987 World Cup. And they were showing me the other day the marble table in reception underneath an enormous chandelier where Graham Gooch and Alan Border cut the World Cup final cake mm. in 1987 before another of England's famous defeats, the uh, 1987 World Cup mm. final, which, of course, England lost by not that many in the end, mm. about 17 runs, Mike Gatting reverse sweeping, Alan Border's first ball, getting out, and England's uh, run chase then fell into a, a disappointing failure. Talking of disappointing failure, I mean, today was another woeful performance by England. Actually, I thought they, they, they shaped up quite well with the ball and in the field, and I think they did well to keeping India to 230, 229. But the batting just wilted in the face of 
high class bowling and lack of confidence, I yeah. suppose. I think it's fair to say Josh Butler's not going to be cutting a World Cup final cake at the Oberoi Grand in Calcutta or any hotel in India this time round. England got another two weeks here, haven't they? Two weeks to contemplate what's happened, three more matches to play. We've mentioned it before, it's so weird, isn't it, that at a World Cup, that when you're you know, basically out, you've got to hang around to fulfil your fixtures, other World Cups, you, know, you, you might have one more game to play when you're out, but you know, this time they've got another two weeks to kick their heels and, and try to produce something. But there is something for them, actually, to go for, bizarrely, because Champions Trophy qualifying, Pakistan 2025, you've got to finish in the top eight, or at least it's Pakistan there as host, and then the next best seven in this World Cup will go automatically into the Champions Trophy. And people say, oh, well, does that really matter? But I suppose if you're planning for the next World Cup, you know, a Champions Trophy competing against all the best nations, you know, in a big tournament, big ICC event, is an important party to be at. So at the moment, Yoz, the way it's looking, England got a big showdown coming up, haven't they? Forget Australia, they've got a big showdown against the Netherlands to come. <laughs> I was watching their game yesterday, the Netherlands beating uh, Bangladesh, and actually, they're quite an impressive side. They can't bat, really, but their bowling's not too bad on a pitch with a bit of help in it. So it could be uh, the ultimate embarrassment for England. Is well, they've lost a couple of times the Netherlands in T20 in international events. So, you know, it, it, it will be a test of them, actually. Mm. And I think the trouble is, when, you, when you've had five defeats in six games and they've all been heavy, I mean, this one against India tonight, 100-run defeat, is a, is a big defeat again. And it, it just leaves the troops totally demoralised. And so they don't know whether to stick or twist anymore, do they? I mean, they stuck with the same team today and it didn't work. It worked OK with the ball, but you know, with the bat, it, they just looked out of their depth. Mm. The Indians, outstanding bowling from Bumrah, from Shami, from Kuldeep Yadev. They've got people to turn to for any situation. And in fact, ironically, England, if they'd batted a bit more carefully, a bit more normally perhaps in the first 20 overs the dew which was kicking in might have come to their aid and they might have been able to chase that score but they'd lost too many wickets by then by the time the dew arrived and so you know the end was inevitable it, it was it's exasperating because we know these players are really good they're talented as they keep saying but they're just not playing to their ability and, and they look a shadow a pale shadow of themselves yeah they do and I thought, like you, I thought they bowled pretty well and I thought they fielded uh, pretty well as well. I mean, there was an excellent fielding, apart from one blemish from Moen Ali towards the end when he dropped Jasprit Brumrah, and that was worth a few runs. Got India up to 229. I, just, I thought it was always going to be challenging on that surface against that attack. I mean, it was not a perfect pitch in Lucknow. It was a used surface. But, I mean, just look at the history of England in one day internationals in India. Since the famous three all draw in Mumbai, those of you remember it, where Freddie Flintoff was you know, waving his shirt above his head in the early 2000s, India and England have met each other 29 times in India. India have won 23 of those matches. England five, and then there was the famous tie in, in Bangalore in the, in the last World Cup that was played here. So, you know, England do not find it easy to play against India in the home conditions. In fact, no one finds it easy to play against India in the home conditions, certainly not in this World Cup. They are a good side, 
perhaps one of their flaws was slightly exposed today when they lost a few early wickets and they really had to regroup and because they've got this long tail and you know, when the tail was batting you know, they were t turning down singles for example Surya Kumar Yadav was turning down singles with Bumrah at the other end I mean if you can get early wickets against them enough early wickets you can put them under pressure when they haven't got Hardik Pandya but they cobbled together enough runs thanks to well one of the stars of the competition so far Right, Sharma yes yeah, I, I, England haven't. Well, England didn't expose India's uh, sort of soft underbelly until India had posted a sufficient score on a difficult pitch. I think you have to get them 150 for five or 150 for six yeah. even, and get them out for under 200 to really get on top of them because they have got four number 11s really. Mohammed Shami is no batsman coming in at number eight, and then two or three others who really aren't great. I mean, I think Bumrah averages seven coming in at nine in ODIs. So, you know, they have really got that soft underbelly, but you've got to get past those those top order players. And actually, Yadav, Surakun Yadav played well in, in, to get that kind of 40 odd runs and, and get them up to some kind of respectability. And they know now, as perhaps England did four years ago, they sort of feel like, you know, if they get enough, they've got the bowling attack to defend it. And they absolutely, you know, they proved that today with excellent performances by Bumrah, by Shami, good pace, good use of the pitch to get a little bit of extra movement. I mean, for instance, that brilliant dismissal of Ben Stokes by Mohammed Shami, rearranging his furniture, making a couple of balls go away and then one sliding back in and Stokes really jacked back, horrible. Jagged back that ball, and didn't it? Stokes, I mean, it looked Stokes, worse. Yeah, it, it yeah. looked worse because Stokes was on the back foot trying to hit it through the offside and it looked like a kind of village wicket in the end. But it was clever bowling, and they were just—they just outsmarted and outbowled England. They were too good. Yeah. They're a very good side. I mean, they—they they do miss Hardik Pandya to balance them. I mean, that's—that's that's the one area you, you talked about. Their, their four number 11s. It's probably a little bit uncharitable. They probably got a couple of number tens in there as well. But if you can get wickets against them, early wickets against them, then you can in theory push them back because they don't have the balancer they don't have Hardik Pandya in the middle order well not at the moment anyway he's missed the last two games he missed today with this ankle injury of his sustained in an earlier game if they can get him back then they, they get that balance back I, I said it right at the start of the tournament I think they'll waltz through the group stage uh, you know, I'm not talking about this in hindsight I said it at the time and yeah, the, the pressure game might well be the, the, the semi-final, whoever that is against. I mean, it looks to me as if they're going to finish uh, top of the group, so they would end up playing the, the fourth-place team. At the moment, you'd say that probably looking far more likely to be New Zealand than South Africa or Australia, who look you know, quite well-placed. Fantastic game, by the way, in Dadamshala. I mean, one of the great one-day internationals, actually, uh, played yesterday between Australia and New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand, they've under a bit of pressure to qualify. You think they probably have enough, though? But anyway, that's for another day. Yeah. So that was the most runs ever made in a World Cup game, wasn't it? 388 yeah. by Australia, and New Zealand got 382. I think. 83. Yeah. yeah. Five. So, five short. Yeah. So you know, it was 760 runs mm. in, in one game. Amazing. A run rate of 7.6 and over. So New Zealand just falling at the last hurdle, losing by half a dozen runs. Mm. But uh, a brilliant game in Durham, Charlotte. And some some amazing views as well. I love the the shots of the mountains in the background. There's a drone that goes right up high that films the ground and the, and the mountain in the background. It looks absolutely spectacular. So we should just look more deeply at a key moment in this England India game today. This is a segment brought to you by IG, 
and the moments that matter, well, the moment that mattered today perhaps was, I thought, the, the wicket of Virat Kohli, who couldn't get the ball away and eventually went down the wicket to, to David Willey and chipped one up in the air. And I think at that point, Rohit Sharma, who was not out, who had hit Willey for 18 off his second over, realised that this pitch wasn't that easy. Having hit 18 off Willie's second over, he then knocked it around a bit after that, played and missed a few times and realised that he had to stay in, especially once Coley, who, by the way, our uh, gate man here, calls the chase master, as opposed to the chess master. He, he, he well, is, with good reason as well. With good yeah, reason, because yeah. he's so good at, mm. at chasing runs. But in batting first, he got a duck, so that the responsibility, responsibility fell on Sharma to to stay in and, and, and kind of keep the innings ticking over. And I thought he did that really well. He recognised that hitting the ball on the up wasn't going to be that easy. The ball was just sort of kicking off the surface a bit, moving a little bit. Wokes bowled an excellent seven-over spell. Willie didn't give anything away either. Rashid came on and turned a few. So I think Rohit sort of took on the captain's responsibility to play almost a, not a test match innings, but a much more orthodox innings rather than the explosive style that he's shown in earlier games on flat pitches where he's gone to 48 off 30 balls and hit about four sixes. Today he was more cultured, actually. And in a way, that showed up England's batting because England, when they batted, tried to hit it on the, on the up and two or three players perished for that very reason. The ball wasn't quite coming on. It was nipping a little bit off the seam and Bairstow and Milan in particular dragged on trying to hit good length balls firmly, bludgeoning them, as I keep saying they tend to do. Sharma played with a later, uh, a later approach, dabbing it down to third man, caressing the ball. So too did Kale Rahul coming in at number five. So that partnership stabilised the Indian innings and enabled them to get a, a defendable score. Yeah, I think ultimately crucial. Um, there was a, a nearly moment for England in that partnership quite early on. Rohit Sharma given out LBW to Mark Wood. I think it would have been 50 for four at the time. And I was watching it and I raised my finger and so did the umpire as well. And then when he saw it again, he thought, mm, yeah, that, well, is this going to be umpire's call? Is it going to be missing? It looked, it looked like one of those and it was missing. Yeah, very, very fine margins. That would have been 54. Of course, in the old days, he'd have been on his way because the umpire gave him out. The old umpire's call, actually, has come in for a, a bit of scrutiny in the last few days because I was at that match in Chennai where Shamsi was given not out uh, by umpire Wharf, and it, it was umpire's call. Of course, if he had been given out, then the game would have been over and Pakistan would have won a crucial victory against South Africa. It was umpire's call. He said not out, so on he went. And yeah, there would be a bit of, there's been a bit of comment about whether umpire's call you know, should continue. And if the ball's hitting the stumps, it should be out. That, you know, that's what I mean, Harbhajan, for example, uh, tweeted that. And there was a moment in that South African innings where uh, Rassi van der Dusen had a double umpire's call. He was on his way, so that went in the favour of Pakistan you know, on that occasion. I mean, everyone knows umpire's call, don't they? Everyone knows it's there, and, they, and it's there to sort of keep the umpire in the game, in a way. Some people say, well... What's the point of that? Let's just have the correct decision. The ball's hitting the stumps, it's out. But, I, but there is a sort of... Is there a slight problem in the technology that's not absolutely 100%? Well, or is that still the case? That's, that's always the case with science. There's no such thing as 100% mathematical proof. 99.9, but no, no such thing as 100%. And Doesn't two and two equal four? Well, yes, I suppose. <laughs> but, but, I mean, I think to, 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 to widen that discussion a bit, the, 
I think the, the, the problem is, and this is a calculation that I did a couple of years ago, if you take into account, let's say you have been umpire's call, right? Yeah. We don't have it anymore. I.e., so anything that's even grazing the stumps is out, right? Mm, yeah. Because it will knock the bales off, potentially. Mm. Well, that means that it actually makes the stumps 30% larger yeah. than, it, than they are now with, with umpire's call as a sort of marginal... Uh, decision from the umpire so basically you if, if you put a ball width all the way around the wicket and just allow the ball to graze the stumps all the way around three sides of the, of the stumps that actually makes the stumps 30% wider so there would be a lot more LBWs given uh, by the technology and I think as you said I think it keeps the umpires involved it keeps a bit of a human element to to the decision making otherwise you might as well just have a hat stand you know, and you put your your uh, sweater and your hat and your cap on it, and mm. don't bother with any umpires. So, I, I, I like it because you know there is a little bit of jeopardy there. Mm. And I, you know, I know a lot of football fans will say, "Well, we like the jeopardy of whether the ball went over the line or whether it's a penalty because whether the person deliberately tripped a, a guy or whether it was a handball or whatever." They like that. They think that jeopardy should remain. I think that's different because it, it is much more subjective whether a person deliberately tripped but with umpires called it is a mathematical thing mm. it says it would have clipped and you want to leave a little bit of allowance for that 99.9 for that 0.001 of a flaw in the technology as well mm. so i think clipping clipping the stumps generally shouldn't be given out mm. actually and a lot of the umpires and that was the, that shamsi example was like that you know it was just clipping and I think it was fair enough to give it not out. Mm. Well, that was, the, that was the call from the umpire at the time, because if he'd raised his finger, and we've seen lots where umpires do raise their finger, and it is umpire's call just clipping, and, of course, the batter has to go on his way. And I don't mind umpire's call. I think it, 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 it's quite a good idea. I, I, I know, I, I get that people new to the game might say, well, hold on, you know, it, that, that was hitting the stumps, and the umpire, you know, the, the guy's still in, or the woman's still in, whatever. You know, how does that happen? But, I mean... It, it's it's one of the sort of weird aspects of this great game of ours, and, and you know I think it's it's worked for. I mean, it's been in for a long time now, hasn't it? And I think you know most players understand it. I think well, all players understand it. They might not accept it, but they understand the way it goes. And the whole point is you, as an appeal, you try to get that umpire to raise the finger on the field. That's why you know we have, we have celeb appeals, and you see the bowlers just really going for it, and they know if they can just force that finger up, then. You know, you're going to, you're going to pro- more than likely get the decision you know, uh, ultimately. I, I, Mike really tells a funny story about being in Pakistan, actually, uh, being given out LBW in a test match in the late 70s by a Pakistan umpire. And um, uh, it wasn't out, clearly. It was missing leg stump, but so according to Brearley and his partner at the other end. Well, all batters say that. All though, batters don't they? say that. But anyway, um, Brearley uh, uh, confronted or sort of met the umpire mm. afterwards at a function, and he said to him, wasn't out surely you know that was that surely that was missing and the umpire said i just felt my finger going up and i couldn't stop it you know probably because of the appeal the appeal was so good yeah. that one would to sharma definitely missing and you know the umpire got that right but the technology backed him up so yeah. in the end uh, fair enough sharma played an excellent innings so what, what, what i mean what do we think about england now you know they 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 couldn't get anywhere near the target today they've now lost five out of six and been thrashed thrashed five times yeah so what do we think is there going to be a mass clear out 
I, I was a bit surprised today. I thought someone like Gus Atkinson would play. I mean, England's chances of qualifying now are totally nil. They were virtually nil before mm. this game. I, would have th- I thought they would, you know, think about the future and stick with the, you know, more young players, Harry Brook, and but they didn't. They stuck with the team that played the last match, and they're no better off. <clears throat> I think they're thinking. Let's get our dodge as quickly as we can, <laughs> don't you? I mean, yeah. it's, it's been a horrendous campaign for them. Mm. I mean, to be shellacked five times in this World Cup, the defending champions hammered five times. Oh, you just, you just want to get away, don't you? I mean, if, if the if the ICC said to them tomorrow, uh, actually, guys, you don't have to play the last three <laughs> matches, they'd be, you know, they'd be cheering. And well, I mean, they probably won't say that in public, would they? They'd say, no, we've got you know pride to play for, and you know, we've got to get some wins to get into the Champions Trophy or or whatever. Which I mean, is a valid point, yeah, actually. Yeah. If they, if they want to play in the Champions well. Trophy. I mean, it, it is a point, actually. And I, I suppose, you know, one of the flaws of England's planning campaign is that they just haven't played enough 50-over cricket in the last couple of years mm. and they haven't found the right formula as a team or the right strategy or the right playing style, etc. And I, I find it amazing that the quotes from, you know, Matthew Mott and, to a lesser extent, Josh Butler, uh, you know, post the last defeat were sort of, well, we, we underestimated the difficulty of the conditions. I mean, mm. Butler's been out here countless times mm. playing the IPL. What, you mean the heat, you mean? Or the, well, no, the pitches and, pitch. and, and the difficulty of, of, of scoring runs here, uh, uh, partly. Mm. You know, we, we've surely, we, we, we've, most of the players have been out here enough times. Surely Matthew Mott, travelled around the world as a coach, must know it's a tricky place to bat. Mm. And, and you need certain methods that work and certain mm. methods don't. Yeah. It's not like batting in England against the white ball, which does that virtually nothing. These balls stop a little bit, they bounce a little bit, they turn a little bit. It needs a, a bit more finesse and not, and not just straightforward bludgeoning. Yeah. I mean, one thing that did happen right at the start of the tournament, I mean, England weren't here that long before they played their opening match. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was quite a quick turnaround, wasn't mm. it? I mean, they, they played that series against New Zealand and then they had that second string against Ireland. And while that was going on, rather than coming to India and preparing for, you know, say, a couple of weeks or, you know, long, you know, 10, 11, 12 days, they had a, a week mm. off in preparation, a sort of a rest, if you like, a rest before mm. the intensity of... You know, a, well, they thought a six-week tournament, as it's turned out, it's going to be a five-week you know, tournament. I suppose I understand that. But yeah. A bit. If you go back to 2019, that was a four-year campaign. Identified Strauss and Owen Morgan identified the players they wanted to stick with, the players that they wanted to um, keep faith with, and who were going to play their way. And there were very few changes in that team, one or two false changes, but most of them, they kept that nucleus of players together. And before the, the World Cup itself, they played a five-match series against Pakistan, which is when they introduced Jofra Archer. Mm. And that was a good lead-up into the first match, and they played superbly in that first match against <coughs> South Africa. Outstanding performance, gave them confidence. There was a momentum there. And it's, the, it's almost reverse momentum this time. There hasn't been any real structural planning. You've had root out of the side for a while you've had Stokes retiring and then coming back you've had Moen in and out you know Harry Brook just kind of given the call up two weeks before Jason the, Roy Jason in and out yeah I mean it just hasn't been coherent yeah. in the same way as it was four years ago yeah. I mean for me I, I'm not sure they've got a very strong bowling side I think that's one of their problems although you know they, they did pretty well today although you know, that was put in context by India's bowling effort. India have got a very good bowling side and England rolled out for a you know, 120 odd. Uh, I, th- I think I, they, to me they look like a batting side doesn't quite know what to do, how to approach it or I mean today they did I mean they did sort of get, 
they, they did sort of rein themselves in to some extent, didn't they? I mean, I know I know there were some sh- shot, you know, at best they're going hard at the ball. For example, Stokes going hard at the ball, but there, there was an attempt to regroup. It wasn't it wasn't like the Sri Lanka match in, in Bengaluru where everyone just came out and basically you know just trying to thrash it everywhere. There was an attempt to try to counter India today, but I just think India were too good. They picked up those two wickets again. You know, Milan and Root successive balls. Suddenly you're right on the back foot. And also the other thing. Four of the top five uh, were bold, weren't they, today? You don't see that happen very often. Uh, I mean, the pitch was not the most straightforward pitch on which to bat, and we saw that from, from India as well. You know, they, they struggled to cobble together a score, but cobble together a score they did. And then they got their excellent bowling uh, unit together. And they do, they do look a, a really strong side. You know, I watched South Africa uh, beat Pakistan the other evening, and, you know, a really determined, gritty uh, one wicket victory to record another win for them, but to me, just India side, they're just up that one notch, and also they got that crowd behind them as well. And we've said it before. I think they, rather than intimidate their own team, actually, it really inspires them. It lifts them, and it, and it does actually intimidate uh, the opposition. This segment was brought to you by IG. If you'd like to make more of the opportunities to invest yourself. IG gives you access to thousands of global shares as well as a range of educational guides and daily market analysis. Go to ig.com investments to find out more. And remember, when investing, your capital is at risk. And talking of India and success and World Cups, after the break we're going to hear from Sonny Gavaskar, the great Sonny Gavaskar, about his favourite World Cup moment. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So Sonny Gavaskar is one of the about 30 commentators who's travelling around <laughs> the country uh, commentating on this World Cup. I've been working with him a little bit. I'm producing the analysis for various games and I caught up with him during one game and I asked him what was his favourite World Cup memory? My favourite World Cup memory without question is uh, winning it uh, against the West Indies in 1983, June 25, 1983. It's 40 years this time around and I'm hoping that India will repeat and win it on the 19th of November 2023. And you did, you had a special dinner, didn't you, to commemorate that, yes, that win did. recently? 25 years uh, at, at Lord's. We celebrated the Silver Jubilee at Lord's, uh, the Long Room. Now, 40 years down the road, we've had a couple of events as well. So, uh, and there are a few events going on, and if India wins it, it'll go on another year. <laughs> We're in your special box. Um, 
apart from yourself, who is your World Cup hero? Uh, my World Cup hero is Kapil Dev, because you know what he did for Indian cricket, uh, taking us around with that incredible innings of 175. Without that, we wouldn't have qualified for the knockouts, and then. Uh, uh, the way he took that catch uh, of uh, Viv Richards to open the doors of victory for us. Uh, yes, it was a team effort, all right, but in, in a team effort as well, there are always a, a couple of individual performances that take you to that team effort. So, of course, Sonny alludes to 1983. He played in that final and got he scored two, actually. Uh, and, in fact, India only managed... Talk about cobbling together runs. India only cobbled together 183 in that in that World Cup final, and then they managed to bowl West Indies out, the great West Indies side with all their star names, the Greenwiches and the Haineses and the Clive Lloyds and so on, Viv Richards. Richards. They they managed to bowl them out for 140, and it was the unassuming medium pace of people like Madan Lal that took the wickets. Roger Binney, who is now I think chairman of the board actually. Mm. Um, and it was, you know, why we sort of find that, that moment quite interesting 40 years ago is because it really was a massive turning point for India and Indian cricket. Mm. Winning the World Cup, which all three World Cups had been played in England with all three finals at Lords, and suddenly it sort of changed the whole perception mm. of the subcontinent and the next World Cup was staged here in India in 1987 and as I was saying earlier, the World Cup cake was cut in this very hotel behind us, the final cake, which was played here at Calcutta in Eden Garden. So it really was a transformative moment for the game and for India, that 1983 victory. Yeah, and if you listen to Christopher Martin Jenkins' commentary on the BBC, uh, probably people will hear the TV commentary of them winning the game. But on the, on the radio, CMJ says that is one of the biggest upsets in the history of all sport. It's an incredible thing to say, isn't it, about a final, a team you know, winning a final. You, you, you think of I don't know, Afghanistan beating England the other day, or Ireland beating England, or Kenya beating West Indies you know, in past World Cups. You know, those felt like genuine upsets. But it, it just shows you, at the time, that Indian victory was seen as a massive upset. West Indies were such huge favourites. Oh, if they'd been playing... England in the final or whatever, it, you know, it would have been seen as a more competitive game. But you know, India got themselves together and they beat the West Indies. But people forget they actually beat the West Indies in their first match in that World Cup. They actually beat them quite convincingly as well in the opening game. If it wasn't for a, a last-wicket partnership, the West Indies would have been absolutely hammered, a bit like England have been hammered today. But the, the other thing, I was looking back, the number of... We talk about preparation for a World Cup. I mean, England have played since the last World Cup. England played, what, about 40... Yeah, One-day internationals, yeah, some, yeah. something like Which that. Which is half the number yeah. they played the four years before. Yeah. India, in their entire one-day history before the 1983 World Cup, had played 40 one-day internationals over you know o- over a decade or whatever, yeah. decade or so. And I had a look at England, how many they played in, in this similar time. They, of course, they they started off. They played in. In 1971, they got in there a bit earlier because that test match was called off in Melbourne and they thought they'd better make some money. So that was how the first one-day international uh, came about. England had played 82 one-day internationals uh, before that World Cup. So, yeah, India only played 40. So it was was such a new game, wasn't it? And it did did feel transformative. I think the Indian... Uh, cricket hierarchy once they won that World Cup said right next time we're going to have this World Cup it's going to be in India you know we've shown our worth now but of course it it didn't quite work out for them in 87 or in 96 when they staged the next two World Cups you mentioned the the, the cake cutting it was not supposed to be an Australia England (laughs) final was it it was supposed to be an India Pakistan final they were the big favourites 
uh, for those two semi-finals. But England turned them over that brilliant hundred from Graham Gooch. And Australia uh, beat Pakistan. And then the next time, well, we're in Calcutta, not far away, a couple of Carlos Brathwaite six hits away, Eden Gardens, and in that semi-final, Sri Lanka who were the upstarts. You know, they were the India of 1996, really, calling, causing a surprise. They beat India in the semi-final, and a game that was abandoned with a crowd writing, but India had lost the game, basically. The, Clive Lloyd awarded the game to That's Sri Lanka, right. didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, it shows you how much the game has changed as well, how the whole sort of structure of a tournament has changed now. I mean, everything is so managed, isn't it? You know, there's the... After an innings, there's a post-match. In, there's an interview with a player, isn't there? Then at the end of the game, there's the, the player of the match, and then... There's the post-match ceremony, and then the players go to the press conference, and it's all so structured now and ordered, and you know all the journalists get their coats. I remember you know, back in '96, you know, just nipping downstairs to the dressing room area and just you know doorstepping Clive Lloyd to get his reaction to you know the decision he'd taken. These days, of course, you know he'd be wheeled out in front of the television cameras, wouldn't he? And he'd explain his decision. But in those days, it was Clive. Can I just have a quick word, you know, and stick the microphone under his mouth? And he was prepared to speak and explain his decision. It is actually very structured, as you say, because I see the running orders for every day of the matches I'm working on. And they are very carefully, the, Rob Reeb, who's the, the, the producer of my crew, I'm crew C going around the country. There are 10, there, there are four crews, all of about 110 people. So it is a TV people, so 500 TV personnel in all. And there's a sort of two page schedule of interviews, pre-match, pitch interview, yeah. captain's interview, toss interview, it, a couple of players, selected players. All sponsored. All, yeah, all sponsored. Mm. That's even before the match has started. <laughs> yeah. And then plenty at the end as well with different people's responsibilities to, to conduct these, these interviews. So, yeah, you're right. It is very structured. And sometimes it feels a bit formulaic, actually. And the players are not. They're a bit on their guard. You don't get much from them, really. But, I mean, I thought Butler's interview, actually, post the last defeat, Sri Lanka, was quite honest and you know he said I don't know what's gone wrong mm. I've let the team down myself I've been very low, below par I wanted to be up for this and you know I've we, there's no shortage of hard work going into these games but we just can't put it together mm. and it happens like that doesn't it you, you know losing becomes a habit just as winning does mm. well it feels like they're just, you know they're, they're sort of on a, a downward slope and they've I don't know got their plimsolls on it's icy and they just cannot stop themselves you know sort of tumbling down the the cliff face, really. They just they just cannot halt the downward uh, momentum. Uh, next up is is Australia, and then the big one against the Netherlands, and then Pakistan in the final game. I mean, such a shame actually. England Pakistan is all, it always has you know a bit of frisson, doesn't it? It's going to be played here at Eden Gardens, you know, one of the final games in the group stage. Almost certainly, there's going to be nothing on it unless we get a sort of quirky set of results. Pakistan you know, keep on winning. And one or two others, like New Zealand, for example, you know, start to lose. Then there might be something on it in the final game. What a great city Calcutta is, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, we just come from a rooftop bar to this, this complete oasis, surrounded by palm trees, very tall palm trees, and white, whitewashed buildings, sort of in a colonial style, and a, a very tranquil pool. Have you ever seen a pool so still? Still, yeah. The water completely still. White-clad waiters in white tunics walking around, serving the guests a bit of jazz playing in the background I mean it's very un-Indian but it's almost very Calcutton or Colcotton should I say and um, the, the, the mayhem outside and the other day we came out of the front of the hotel here onto the main road which is a dual carriageway with about eight lanes of traffic going the other way and there was a herd of goats walking against the traffic mm. as well 
going down the wrong way. A whole herd of them. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's again, it's expect the unexpected, isn't it? This is, I think, in the three and a half weeks I've been in India, this is the quietest I've been outside. And there's still a little bit of noise from some of the guests and uh, you know, having a nice time and the music was playing a bit earlier. But this is about as quiet as I can remember. This is a bit like Wimbledon Common almost. So, oh, I'm, looking, so I'm looking forward you're to... You're a bit homesick, aren't you? <laughs> well, we're, we're both homesick, but I mean, of course, it does make it harder when our team, England, are doing so badly. It makes the trip extend a bit longer but you know I mean we, 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 there has been some really good cricket to enjoy as well oh, there's been some fabulous cricket in the last few days and an incredible game down in, in Chennai that, that one wicket victory for South Africa fantastic I'm not sure Nawaz should have bowled that over mm. I think they should have gone with Sam Amir but they bowled their main bowlers out they had to go for it uh, Pakistan there was that contentious decision you know, the, the umpire's call decision brilliant victory for Australia against New Zealand in an enthralling high scoring game in, in Dharamshala that had, you know, had everyone there watching you know, absolutely wrapped and then the Dutch doing it again against Bangladesh, Bangladesh a second victory uh, for them uh, Bangladesh oh, for, a, for a cricket mad country I mean we said in the last podcast but they really have plumbed the depths in this World Cup they're vying for England well, yeah, for, for the, with, with England for the wooden spoon they are and, and it's interesting you know the intel on Bangladesh is that basically they don't play as a team mm. they play as 11 individuals and I, I watched that game very carefully to try and pick up some signals and they just they, they just they just don't sort of collaborate they don't get together they don't really encourage each other very much I mean that happens when things aren't going well of course people sort of disappear into their own little bubble their own little world but there is from the sort of people on the sidelines, the coaching staff and so on, I get the sense that the Bangladesh team just are not all for one and one for all kind of approach. And they, they lack a, something like a wrist spinner. Why, don't, why doesn't Bangladesh produce any wrist spinners? It's extraordinary. It produces lots of conventional spinners, but nobody with a bit of mystery. And they're batting constantly, flatter to deceive. And it's, it's a shame. And of course, you know, here, playing in Calcutta, it's local to them. I mean, lots of Bangladeshis came mm. the half an hour flight over to Calcutta from Dhaka mm. to support their team and were, were, were miserably disappointed. Yeah, and that was another big defeat, wasn't it? And they got well beaten uh, by the Dutch, didn't even get close. 87 and, runs. Yeah, it? and our, our next game is involving Bangladesh here at Eden Gardens up against uh, Pakistan. Pakistan, they're in that situation where they absolutely have to win and hope really just, you know, See if they can take down Bangladesh. It was a great opportunity for them to get a win after, what was it, four successive uh, defeats. I did feel sorry for them a bit on, on Friday evening. They were so tenacious. Uh, they, they were, it always felt as like South Africa were just a bit ahead of them, but they fought and fought and fought. And you thought, once they got that ninth wicket, still 11 to win, you thought, yeah, this could be their night. And it was so nearly. You know, those, those umpires you're talking about, you know, just appeal, getting that finger up, you know, the... Alex Wharf had just raised his finger, then Pakistan would perhaps still be alive in this competition. You also, there was also a wide down the leg side which he gave, which brushed the pad as well. So, yeah, it's just one of those evenings. It's a tough, tough job, isn't it? I mean, the, the umpire in the Rugby World Cup final, uh, Wayne, 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 Wayne Barnes, yeah. Well, he I mean, did he, well, actually. Yeah, and he, well, he's also been criticised. Has he? I thought he had yeah. a brilliant game. I mean, yeah. I stayed up to watch it, yeah. finished at 2.30 a.m. our time in, in uh, India, but thought it was a compelling game and actually it was a bit of a disappointing game but 
actually the refereeing well, there, there mm. should be some good analysis on that because I thought the refereeing he held it together really well it must be so difficult with those piles of bodies to try and identify what's actually going on and, and one thing is South Africa they won three games by one point I mean that, mm. that is yeah. what mental strength that displays will the cricket team do the same because they have been accused of messing up great situations but they're in a really promising situation in this mm. World Cup and what an opportunity they've got. Just possibly, just possibly heading to an, another semi-final against Australia, as in 1999. We all know what happened in that match, or those people who know their cricket history will know what happened in that match. One of the, well, one of the, the, one of the greatest one-day internationals, if not the greatest one-day international ever played, the, the tied match that finished in calamity uh, for South Africa and that unbelievable joy for Australia, that magnificent photograph. But they're all in the same photograph, aren't they? On the pitch, all leaping around when they run the great uh, cricket photographs. Anyway, that, that's potentially ahead of us. For England, a couple of weeks of misery and then back to a winter at home. How gloomy. Well, I mean, actually, there's something to look forward to. They're playing the West Indies in some T20s uh, before <laughs> Christmas, so that's something and to some look forward to. And some one-dayers as well. Yeah. We're interested to see what they come up with yeah. team-wise, you know, yeah. whether, they, whether they really just revamp their side because they've given all these... Contracts, Central yeah. contracts out, yeah. aren't yeah. they? Listen, that's uh, a conversation for another day anyway. Mm. Uh, we should call it a night, and I think I probably owe you a, a pink <laughs> gin or something in, in this environment. So uh, that's it for today. This episode was brought to you in association with IG Trading and Investments. If you're thinking about investing in stocks and shares with IG, please remember your capital is at risk and sack the waiter because he just dropped all the china. The value of investments can go up or down, and you could get back less than you invest. For more information, go to ig.com slash investments. So I'll see you in midweek at the Eden Gardens. And we should also just mention the Storylines podcast mm. with Melissa Story. Very interesting interview with Kath Dalton, who has been announced as the bowling coach, this is a female, of course, of the Multan Sultans in the Pakistan Super League. Uh, along with Alex Hartley, I think, mm. who's also uh, been announced as a spin coach there. So two women coaching a men's team in the PSL and Melissa interviews Kath Dalton about all her knowledge of fast bowling. So well worth listening to that. Also look up my Instagram features on my travels around India. There's a feature coming up on Calcutta. Go to Cricket Analyst one on Instagram. And we'll be back on Wednesday. Time to get your tenor out and pay your debt, yours. Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.